0: You're listening to Nothing Funny About Money. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Michael Thomas. We are with the Financial Planning Program at the University of Georgia. On last month's episode, we began a discussion on children and money. There's just so
2: much to talk about here. So this month's episode is part two, Kids and Money.
0: If you're just joining us for the first time, Congratulations. (laughs) We suggest heading over to our website, nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org, and listening to the previous episode.
2: Let's recap a little here. Kids are information sponges. They learn really, really fast, and much of that learning happens through a process called socialization. Socialization is just a fancy way of saying that kids learn by example. So knowing that, it's really
0: important to live the financial life you want your children to model. Want your kids to keep a budget? you should keep a budget. Want them to be thrifty? Well, you should be thrifty. And sometimes these financial behaviors are obvious, but some things are less obvious. Like, how much are you saving? Are you investing? In what? For
2: these less obvious things, it's super important to communicate with your kids, right?
0: Demystify money for them. If you did something well, tell them. And if you screw something up, well, that's okay to tell them too. If I can talk about my screw-ups in front of 2,000 students a year, you should feel comfortable talking about yours in private with someone who loves you unconditionally.
2: Yeah, I have a great story for that. There was this one time when I was 11 or so, and I decided to make some money by raking leaves. After knocking on several doors, I finally found someone. The problem was that I didn't say it was for free.
0: I don't know what happened.
2: Yeah, I ended up spending an hour raking a front yard full of leaves. This was a big yard, and I didn't get paid for it, basically. Oh, really? Yeah. After telling that type of story to the kiddos, you just look at them square in the eye and say, yep, your papa did that. So did you eventually
0: turn it around, turn it into a business?
2: Uh, no. Actually, I was, I was embarrassed. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> because I knew that if I would have went home to tell my mom, she was going to take me by the hand Walk down to that person's house, knock on a door, and demand the money. Right. So this is actually one of the first times I've actually telling this
0: story, and my mom's probably going to hear this and <laughs> crack it up. Well, it, so even you didn't get the money, you still learned a valuable lesson there.
2: Yeah, there, there's a there's a silver lining,
0: I guess, but just make sure you're upfront and uh, set the terms. So another modeling thing here is that where does money come from? And for almost everybody, money comes from work. So if you want to model that you have to earn your money, maybe give the kids some chores to do. Back in the 70s and 80s, over 80% of kids did chores. Wow. Yeah. Now, 28%. So what what happened? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, parents have devalued chores. They've filled their kids' lives with other things. And where this arguably is coming from is these highly motivated parents who want to get their kids in the best college, want the kids to be successful are saying, well, chores can't go on a resume. Hmm. But what can? Some Uh, of these other things, the the uh, volunteer work, community service, the student organizations, do more homework. And so parents are packing their kids' schedules. There's not a whole lot of time to do the chores. Let's bring a real expert in here on this. And this is Julie Lithcott Hames,
2: a former dean at Sanford University.
1: There's a certain style of parenting these days that is kind of messing up kids
2: She goes on to clarify that it is overprotective parenting that is the problem. Many parents are fearful of their children failing. To alleviate that fear, they control their kids' experiences,
0: particularly in school. Yes, the classic helicopter parent. Well, what's the alternative?
1: What I'm saying is our kids need us to be a little less obsessed with grades and scores and a whole lot more interested in childhood providing a foundation for their success built on things like love and chores.
0: Now, let's be clear. We're not a couple old men talking about back in my day, this isn't do chores for the sake of doing chores. No, this is evidence-based back-in-my-day ranting.
1: The longest longitudinal study of humans ever conducted is called the Harvard Grant study. It found that professional success in life, which is what we want for our kids, that professional success in life comes from having done chores as a kid.
0: And just how important is doing chores? That Harvard study she mentioned found that doing chores as a kid improved future mental health more than being raised in a family with more money.
2: And doing chores also predicted mental health more than having a high IQ and a bunch of other variables. But we don't
0: want to oversell just one study, right? Another study from the University of Minnesota found that doing chores was the best predictor of career success in young adulthood, more even than parenting style or gender.
2: That study found benefits of doing chores
0: as young as the age of three. So the next time your little kid asks to help sweep the kitchen floor, let him. Of course, they're gonna do a horrible job, and that's okay. Yeah. So these sound like great things. Self-efficacy, pride of work, self-control. Absolutely. And all these values are best taught in the confines of our own homes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for us, Ashley and I, my wife and I, we have four principles. And the first money principle that we have is earn. Both of our kids do chores. And the, you pay them then. For yeah, the we pay them. And the thing, too, that what we do with that is that we pay them well, more with Sebastian now because it's very difficult for him to not get paid once he's done something and to get the idea that you are earning something, right? So we don't defer it. So as soon as he does a chore, we give him the 15 cent for the chore that he does. 15 whole cents. 15 whole cents. And this is the thing, it's not just doing the chore. He has to do a good job. Mm-hmm. So that's the value, it's pride of work. He has to show initiative. So we can't tell him that you have to make your bed or you have to wipe down the table after dinner or clean the sink after you, you brush your teeth, right? right? So
0: if you have to tell him.
2: He doesn't get paid, but he still oh, has to okay. do a chores. Right. All right. And then the, the last one is to have a good attitude, to enjoy the work that you're doing because this this work is actually helping mommy and daddy. There's a lot more to this than just earning the money. You're actually helping the household, and this is something that you should feel good about. So right. we have a values-based chore system. Both of our boys have to do their chores regardless, but if they do them demonstrating the values
0: in doing the work, then they get compensated for it. So it's not just, I'm doing this for the money. Mm -mm. It's I'm doing this in a a pro-social way. I'm doing this for something that's bigger than myself. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't see the value of that initially when
2: we were having these conversations, my wife and I. But when the boys, or more particularly Tristan, at an earlier age, the, the first thing he would say if we asked him something was, that's not mine. Why do I have to do this? And then Ash and I would say, well, we're washing your clothes. We're, we're washing dishes. We're, we're helping to do all these different things, right? And, and you go back, right? Exactly, right. And, we, and we're keeping a tab for future retirement. So it was one of those things where we realized early on that there was a disconnect in Tristan. And the very same thing happened with Sebastian in terms of not realizing that what they're doing in a household has more to do with the entire unit than Mm -hmm. just themselves. So by doing this, we're hoping that we're also teaching empathy and compassion and things of that nature, as well as other values.
0: And so they're accumulating this money. Then where does it go?
2: Yeah, actually, once they've accumulated their money, they have these little banks that they use, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the other three principles that we have are to plan, which is basically a higher level view of the spend, save, give. And then after they've planned what they want to do with their money, the third principle we have is stretch. So the idea is just because you've budgeted $5 for something, is there a way that you don't have to spend that entire $5 for it? Can you get a coupon? Can you negotiate? Can you bargain? Right? Can you all come together? Like Sebastian has $5. You have $5. You all want the same toy. Right? Can you bring that money together and just agree to say we're going to share the toy? Right. And then the last one uh, that we have is reflect. So if the boys make a poor financial decision, they suffer the consequences of it. And we'll talk about it and see how they can go through that
0: process more effectively the next time. Right. So you're modeling every step of the financial process here. Absolutely. How, how do you earn the money? How do you keep track of it? How do you spend on it? Yep. And then how is that consistent with your own values? And I think some parents might be saying to themselves, well, these are children. They can't handle this. Yep. Money's an adult thing. Absolutely. Well, no, it doesn't have to be. Mm-mm. And uh, we know some people who maybe think, okay, the, the dollars are difficult mm-hmm. for kids to keep track of. So they don't say dollars, they say points. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's the same thing as my elephant or X algebra story. Absolutely. It, just talk to kids in a language that they understand. But I think kids do get uh, a lot of these concepts. And when I was growing up, I had the basically the same story again, where I had to do the chores. I got paid for the chores, kept track of all the money in a ledger,
2: which, is, which blows my mind.
0: Yeah, I was like seven well, years old.
2: Not that you're tracking your money, that you're using ledger. That I used the word ledger. <laughs> Most people would just say pencil and paper.
0: Oh, no, we had the budget <laughs> book. Yeah. And I had to keep track. Every single thing I put in, and then I had to spend my own money when we went to the store. Wow. So I was tracking the money going in, tracking the money coming out. And then I, I think the same thing your kids are going to have is, well, what do I want to spend my money on? Absolutely, I, I don't. I'm not just going to spend it to spend it. Yep. If I save it and invest it, maybe it, it grows even more. Absolutely.
2: Just to just to, to kind of piggyback on that for a second, uh, Sebastian and I had an experience not too long ago, uh, which this whole transactional piece of seeing the inflow and outflow of money. And you were talking about, you know, whether it's a point system or whether it's dollars or pennies or cents, either way, it's the transactional piece. So we went to the local Athens farmer's market and Sebastian left his money at home. And actually was like, well, if you want this strawberry popsicle, you're gonna have to pay me later. And Sebastian was gung-ho. He was like, yay, I get the popsicle and just kind of going crazy. And he's already very super hyperactive when it comes to sugar. this is his first experience with debt This is his first experience with (laughs) debt. Like I have to pay somebody back. And we don't charge interest, right, a usury rate. (laughs) But what was funny was that I I guess he was thinking that Ashley was joking. And my wife doesn't Mm. joke when it comes to money, not even with me. Right. She okay. she's she's the bookkeeper in a relationship. <laughs> but as soon as we walked into the door when we got back home, Ashley was like, I need my three dollars. And Sebastian looked at her and I was like, What? <laughs> Literally, that Uh-oh. was the look. She was like, I need my three dollars. And he was like, For what? And she was like, Well, you told me that you were going to pay me back. He pouted and cried all the way to the room, went into his his spending fund grabbed $3 out and was like, I want to give the popsicle back. I don't like, oh, you can't late, give it. You ate it. Too late. <laughs> no it's, one wants that popsicle it's, now. It's done. <laughs> but but like you were saying, for a four-year-old, that's probably going to stick with him for a very long time. But if he hadn't right. experienced the transactional piece, where I'm actually having to give something that I worked for right. in exchange for something else... I don't think that this moment would have been as impactful as it was.
0: Oh, exactly. Maybe we want to shield our kids from these negative experiences, shield our kids from feeling so bad. (laughs) Not you. Not Not us. Not my parents either. And I I think that when you allow kids to fail, allow kids to mess up, it can be so transformative for them. From your point of view, the $3, you don't care about the $3. It's nothing, Mm -hmm. Right. But from his point of view, there are huge stakes, (laughs) huge stakes. Those $3 are gone forever. So it does create that memory. And I'd rather it be $3 than a $10,000 credit card debt. So when I was uh, a kid, maybe seven years old or something, my dad, for whatever reason, got a a new $100 bill from the ATM. And he's showing it to me. And I was just screwing around. And I I grabbed it out of his hand. And I ran off with it. And he didn't think it was a big deal. And I, I... I thought, I swore, I just stuffed it in my pocket. And then right after this, he's like, okay, come back here. We're going to go for a walk. We walked around the neighborhood. It's like a mile, and that's it. Come back home, and he says, okay, seriously, now give me the $100 back. And I reached in my pocket, and I couldn't find the $100. It's gone. And I searched everywhere for that money. I went back out, and I did the mile walk again. (laughs) Couldn't find it anywhere. It's just gone. To this day, I have no idea what happened to it. And they said, "Okay, well, you owe us a hundred dollars now." I was trying to think as a seven-year-old, "Where am I going to go earn this money? Because I can't work." Wow! And um, they had me do extra chores around the house. I eventually pay off this hundred bucks, and I really, from that point on, it's like I, I, I don't ever want to go into this debt again. I've got to be more responsible. I can't lose any more cash. So basically, you acted like an adult. You found yourself in debt and found ways to increase your income, then saved as much as you could. Oh, yeah. And that financial adulting was just as stressful then as it is now. We've got to take a break now.
2: But when we come back, we continue our discussion of financial adulting. For kids, and I can't wait for you all to hear from our special guest, Morgan Bryant, a graduate student in consumer economics here at the University of Georgia.
0: Stay tuned. You're listening to Nothing Funny About Money on WUGA Athens. 91.7 and 94.5
2: FM. I'm Matt Gorin. And this is Michael Thomas. Visit us on campus at the Aspire Clinic. Or online at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org.
0: Hey, everybody. It's Bucks again. Remember me? Are you ready to pledge another contribution to your corporate overlords? Well, not today, Bucks. Who the heck are you? I'm Monty, the Money Mongoose. Don't we already have enough stupid cartoon characters on this show? I'm here to teach kids about making smart decisions with their money. Like paying more for name-brand cereal so you can dig down at the bottom of a box and pull out a cheap plastic toy you lose under the couch? No, like finding ways to make more money around the house or in the community, saving their birthday money and even investing for the future. Well, how does that make more for the big companies? That's just the thing, it doesn't. This is going to help kids put more money in
2: their pockets. Even a mongoose knows that. So, Matt, are you on Team Bucks or Team Money Mongoose?
0: What? You know, like Twilight, the sparkling vampire movie? Yeah, Team Money Mongoose for the win! Oh, boy. Can we get on with the show? (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. Next up, we continue our discussion of kids and money with Morgan
2: Bryant. Morgan is a Ph.D. student in consumer economics here at the University of Georgia. She studies consumer behavior and works toward creating affordable housing. Uh, She is also a financial literacy educator and applies those lessons
0: as a parent. Michael had the pleasure of speaking with her last month. So while I sit this out, let's hear what Morgan has to say. One expense that we very rarely talk about
2: that has long-term implications, generational implications even is not having meaningful conversations about money. Do you currently have conversations with your your, your little guy about money and why are those conversations important to you?
1: So let me answer that backwards okay. right so yep. it's important to me to talk to him about that because well my parents, hadn't had those conversations with me, um, but that's because my grandfather, you know, my grandparents hadn't had those conversations with them. And so so much of what I learned was by reflecting on that. Um, I studied finance in school, and it struck me one day that I'm learning how to do all of these things for corporations. Um, Can I apply them to my own finances? And so I'm sort of... Self-taught in that regard okay. for my finances. And then I started to engage my family, my parents and grandparents in those conversations because I had brought my own self up to speed. So it was important to me that my son not have to do that. I have all of this knowledge. We've got generational knowledge around this. Absolutely. And so that's shared but in the same respect like I just I can't come in talking about a short dated options portfolio <laughs> with my 8 year old yet. So <laughs> I try to engage him in these conversations in ways that he can understand. So Love it. And I knew I needed to do this one day when we were out, and my son wanted to buy something. And I was like, well, you know, you have your little money, and you get the birthday money and all that. Uh-huh. And he was like, no, but can't you just give me one of those cards to swipe? And I was like, oh, oh we wow. need to back up and have some conversations because wow. these cards don't so just your materialize. So your son does it too. Yes. And he, <laughs> just swipe it. Just you, know, just, you know, just have one of those cards. And I was like, well, do you have one of those jobs? Like, That's where those cards come from. So that was sort of about the time that I realized that okay, so he's ready. He sees these things, and it's time to a- start. About talking. how old was he? Maybe six or seven.
2: Okay, so about six or seven, you're mm-hmm. starting to notice that he's picking up on these mm-hmm. transactions, which is a yes. good point.
1: And so I engage him in those things in a different way. So we use a point system. Okay. In our household, um, and so to teach him that you can't just get things because you see them and they're nice and shiny and you want them, that you have to earn them. Love it. And earning is not just... We learn... Earning in a couple of ways. So, one is just putting forth the effort and having a work ethic and Absolutely. accountability, but also amassing the currency with which you can exchange for those things that you want. And so, he can get points for things that he needs to do every day. So, it also reinforces behavior. I can say since we've implemented the point system, our mornings have gone much better. So, you have two boys, and you yep. know, I don't know what it is, but boys are just diametrically hey, opposed hey, to hey, mornings. Hey. Um, And so mornings were the worst. And so now he knows that he earns points. You get up. If you wake up with your alarm and not with your mother, that's points for that. Um, um, My kid likes to not put on lotion, so he's ashy. So we've added lotion points. So if he puts his lotion on, he gets points. Hold on. There are lotion points? There are lotion points. You have to figure out. We are
2: so doing this. We were the, so doing
1: points. So then there's it's also done. so he can when he pulls his lunch together in the evening, he gets points for that. On trash, the night before trash day, he can pull the trash cans down. He gets points for that. He checks the mail. He gets points for that. When he brings the trash cans in on trash day, he gets points for that. Um, You know, so there's chores and things that he can do. But then I've also tied it into certain activities. So my son's an avid reader. So he gets points for reading. I love it. But he reads anyway, right? He would read without the points. So I still reward him for that. But I also give him points for doing other things. So while he loves to read... His writing is a little different. He doesn't he doesn't write nearly as well as he reads. Okay. So I have some exercises and workbooks and worksheets and things that help him practice writing. So he gets points for doing worksheets. Love it. Um, he gets points for extra time with math, and so he earns all these points, and then he can cash them in for things. So when we see toys in the store, you know, up oh, that's a thirty dollar X Men thing. All right, kid, that's two hundred points. So if you amass your points and you want that, you cash in. Your 200 points and you can get the X-Man. But then it also comes down to different things at home. So screen time, whether it's television, tablet, what have you, is a point a minute. So you want thirty minutes of T V show, then oh, you wow. gotta cash in thirty points.
2: I think it's too late for us to do that whole no, thing with it's the not. television. It's, to- like it's so not. it's our kids would rebel.
1: So for- to be clear, he was not really feeling this when it first came into play, but we he started of figured it out to the point now where we'll negotiate. So when he does when he exhibits behaviors that are not that we don't want to encourage he loses points so he got caught doing something that he shouldn't have been doing and then he tried to cover it up and you know mommy doesn't do lying like there yep. are some things that you can do and there are some things that you cannot do
2: Absolutely. and that is
1: one of those you cannot and so He lost points, so I I docked him 200 points, but I also took all of his devices. So in order to get them back, not only did he lose points, but he had to cash in 500 points to get them back. So he started in a hole, and now he has to earn all of that up. And so in the interim, he still wants to watch TV and do, well, how many points do I have today? You have 300 points. Well, can I go outside? That's 50 points. Well, can I watch TV? That's 30 points. Okay, well, what if I only watch 20 minutes of TV? Then that's 20 points. So so now he's being creative. Mm -hmm. And and so he trades off. And then he's learned to, okay, well, then if I do 20 minutes of TV time, and so I cash in 20 points, but then if I do a couple extra worksheets, and sweep the stairs, I can earn those 20 points back and um, I'm flat, you know, awesome. I'm even for the day. So that's how I sort of teach him about that. I love it. So this
2: is my question. You're, it sounds like you're doing a phenomenal job, honestly, with having a, a system, clear expectations. There, he's not just earning money. He's, he's being rewarded for the values that come with that as well. Uh, which I love hearing. Now, this is the other side of it, right? It's one thing to, you know, talk about money with our kids. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different thing to model the things that we should be doing, right? Mm -hmm. It's the whole do as I say, not not as as I I do do type thing, right? So are you aware of what you're modeling? And if you are modeling something, what is that message that you're wanting for him to get?
1: Part of how he picked up to make trade-offs for, you know, oh, well, can I do 20 minutes of this and 30 minutes of that is because I think about those things. So coming back to school for me was a significant um, decision, and I had to make some very large changes in how I spend money and where my expenses are um, because my, I mean, essentially I, I took a, a salary out of our household. And oh. so um, the the way we live, the decisions that we make, the trade offs are very different. And so he sees those things. He knows that mommy stopped working. Um, and he knows that mommy makes different things and I engage him in that. So we've learned a lot of the free festivals <laughs> in Atlanta <laughs> as it. opposed to, you know, some of the things that we would have, you know, not thought twice about in the past to just buy and go to. So right. he sees those types of trade-offs. So,
2: so he's he's seeing it, you're living it. Mm-hmm. All right, great. So you you talked about some things that you do in your household and I'm always looking for nuggets of things that we can try in our household because I never think that there's ever one right way mm-hmm. and I think that kids have different personalities and you have to be open as a parent to explore different things that work for them.
1: You'd be surprised what your children can comprehend and get engaged with Mm-hmm. And if you make it, you know, I think part of why our point system has worked is it it feels like a game to him. Absolutely. He's, he can win. He can play. If you make things interesting and engaging, um, they want to participate. So yeah, they model what they see from you. If you are constantly showing stress and strife around mm-hmm. money and finances, your children pick up that finances and money are stressful. stressful. Well, Morgan,
2: thank you. This has been incredibly enjoyable. For me. And uh, when we ask you to come back maybe two or three times to kind of fill in while I'm doing other stuff, whatever. So
1: you could just kind of slide in and take Oh, man, away. this has been awesome. I've really <laughs> enjoyed our conversation. Well,
2: thank you, Morgan. We appreciate it. We really, really do. Goodness, another awesome interview. And
0: actually, there is even more we talked about that will eventually make it into future episodes. Okay, so Morgan set up a system for her son where he earns money doing various chores around the house, and that's setting them up for success in adulthood.
2: Yes, but you know what would be even better?
0: What's that? Investing for the future! Uh, You mean by getting good grades in school? No, actually investing! Oh, my ears are ringing. A lot of people seem to think kids simply can't understand how to
2: save their money and invest, but that's not true. We sat down and said, well, Grandma's going to send some Christmas money, right? And we're like, we're not going to buy toys. We don't need more toys. You play with them for a week, and then we don't see them again. Sure. Uh, So we were like, Grandma, when you send some money, we're going to invest that money. Right. Savings is just one aspect of the process. So we sat down and we thought about, well, what types of things would you want to invest in? And I asked him, what are your favorite television shows and things of that nature? And he says, I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was like, great. You watch the show all the time. Who airs that? And then we kind of went through this process and found Mm -hmm. out that it was Viacom. Right. So we're like, okay, if you're interested in buying a stock, it was Viacom or Disney. And he said, you know what? No, Papa, I want to invest in Viacom. I was like, all right. So you have your money. And we just went and bought a couple of shares of stock. And ultimately what happened was the, the idea of it was to make it a celebration. So I actually wrote Viacom the evening that he purchased the stock because it wasn't just about the stock piece, right? It was about how do we make this fun, right? right? Right. So we sent the email over and within a week's time, Viacom sent Tristan a letter thanking him for choosing <laughs> Viacom over Disney <laughs> in terms of purchasing right. a stock. They sent him uh, a, and they sent him a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hat as well. Oh, that's awesome. Now, after this, he feels this sense of pride that he owns a piece of Viacop.
0: Are you guys talking about, like, earnings per share and those things? Actually, we do, right? And the the whole idea was, let's just start
2: with him having fun around this thing. We'll look at the stock, and we'll just go over one piece of it at a time and talk about what this means and how it works in a grand scheme of things. Uh, But the big thing
0: right now is for him just to have fun and feel that sense of ownership, even though we're talking about some of that other stuff as well. Right on. And you started the story with saying, We've got the money from grandma. That's what this ball got rolling. So if you're going to invest with your kids, don't forget that bigger picture. You can't invest money if you haven't first earned some and saved it. Maybe your kids earn money from chores, maybe from having a small business. Yeah. And you had a small business growing up, right? Yeah, I did. I ran a small pet sitting company for a couple of years. I wish though that I did what you're doing with your son, that I would understand what's actually gone with those investments for, because I did save a lot, but I didn't start investing on my own until I was about 26. So it's really great what you're doing Tristan to set him up for the future.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the trick here is just to have fun with it and for him to understand that that savings isn't enough and that he needs to learn how to grow his money.
0: Yeah. And if you're listening at home, you don't know how to do this and you want some help setting this up with your kids, we're happy to help. Reach out to us at the Aspire Clinic at aspireclinic.org. Okay. Is that it? I think so. Thanks again to our executive producer, Chris Shoup, our audio engineer, Garrett Burke, our content editor, Sam Stevens. And a special thanks also to our guest, Morgan Bryant. See y'all next time. You've been listening to Nothing Funny About Money. I'm Matt Gorin. And I'm Michael Thomas. This program is made possible by the College of Family and Consumer Sciences at the University of Georgia in cooperation with WUGA. For more information about our program, visit us online at nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org. Or need help? Get it! Visit us on campus at the Aspire Clinic. Thanks for listening.